0: And in 20 years time, you may not remember the whole story, but you will remember seven ducks in water. And then you can look it up. Second Kings chapter five. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But through Naaman, but though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. We have to also remember that that is not the God that we worship. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to the mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king that the young girl from Israel had said, go and visit the prophet. The king of Aram told him, I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying as gifts 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold and 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy couple of things already. Naaman is this great general. Plundered all these people and he brought back this little girl to be his maid. I don't know how old she was, but let's say 9 to 13. And she went to this big general and she said, basically, I have faith That you can be healed of leprosy. I'm a little bit older than nine. But do I take that opportunity when it's presented to tell people about God? Not every time. And yet here's this young girl who had no station, no standing in life. So why was she there? God placed her there. Fair enough assumption, God placed her there. So then anyway, Naaman wants to be healed of leprosy, so he takes this letter to the king and says, your mission, should you decide to accept it, is to heal me of leprosy. No one understood what happened next. Verse 7, when the king of Israel read the letter, He tore his clothes in dismay and said, this man sends me a leper to heal. Am I God that I can give life and take it away? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. The king knew his limitations. It wasn't him that Naaman was after. But when Elisha the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in the land. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elijah's house. When was the last time anyone was visited by chariots, servants and kings and thing. If it was me I'd be, not that I do this of course, the odd occasion I would peer out the shutters bit of neighbourhood watching going on you see all these people come down your street, you would perhaps go out and say hey, what you doing would I be correct if I saw Peter's big truck, his 42 wheeler turn up in our drive I might 50 odd wheeler I might go out and find out what's going on and I'm sure Turtle Dove would be putting the kettle on. Scones, jam and cream all round. But what does Elijah do? Elijah sent a messenger out with this message, go and wash yourself seven times, hence the ducks in water. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. So Naaman took it well. No. This big, mighty general travelled all this distance to see someone and they didn't even come out to see him. Sent a messenger. Naaman, not happy. Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out and meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of his God and heal me. Fair enough response. He's a proud man. He expected to be treated with respect. Goes a little bit further. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Albana, and they're far, far better? They're probably far, far better than anything else. The rivers of Israel. Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in rage. Is that a fair enough response? Has it ever happened to us that we have felt slighted by someone? They've looked at me the wrong way or said something incorrect or inappropriate or am I the only one? No. No. Naaman had travelled all this distance to be healed. And this fellow says, don't come and see me. Just do as I tell you to do. And this I like. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? If he'd been told to turn up with 10,000 pieces of silver, horses, or run 10 kilometres in under five minutes, he could have accepted that. And they're saying he would have done it. But it was too simple. Too simple. So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured. How often do we need good people around us to tell us sometimes, hey, settle down. They're right. It's important to surround ourselves with good people. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child's and he was healed sensation. He did what he was told. And that's the result. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him and Naaman said, now I know that there is no God in all of the world except in Israel. So please accept the gift from your servant. He had gone from serving other gods to now realizing that the God was the one. Are we at that place? Yes. There is only one God. He is our God. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gift, Elisha refused. Then Naaman said, All right. But please allow me to load two of my mules with earth from from this place and I will take it back home with me. From now on I will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other god except the Lord. Sensational. However, may the Lord pardon me in this one thing when my master the king goes into the temple of the god Rimon to worship there and leans on my arm. May the Lord pardon me when I bow too. So he was trying to protect himself as well. But he was asking for forgiveness to be allowed to make out as if he was worshipping another god. Go in peace, Elisha said. So Naaman started home again. So there's a couple of things I really like in that story so far. The young servant girl, that she could change somebody's life. Isn't that amazing? Because... She was brave enough to talk about God. I really admire that. And I like the fact that God placed her there in that person's home. Is there a challenge somewhere? Is there a challenge to me? Yeah. Wherever I am, I know that God is with me. And I need to be courageous enough to say, hey, I'm a Christian. It's not easy, is it? I'm not even wearing my Dockers colours today. Oh, you'll put it over there at the moment. I'll put it on later. But we need to be proud. When opportunities arise, we need to be there. Now, there's another part of the story here. Verse 20, greed comes in. Greed and self. Verse 20, But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, My master should not have let this Armenian get away without accepting any of his gifts. As surely as the Lord lives, I will chase after him and get something from him. So Gehazi set off. After Naaman, when Naaman saw Gehazi running after him, he climbed down from his chariot and went to meet him. Is everything all right? Naaman asked. Yes, Gehazi said, but my master has sent me to tell you the two young prophets from the hill country of Ephraim have just arrived. He would like 75 pounds of silver and two sets of clothing to give to them. By all means, take twice as much silver, Naaman insisted, He gave him two sets of clothing, tied up the money in two bags, and sent two of his servants to carry the gifts from Gehazi. But when they arrived at the citadel, Gehazi took the gifts from the servants and sent the men back. Then he went and hid the gifts, went into his master's Elijah to ask him, and he said, Where have you been, Gehazi? Tough question. Needs an honest answer. So he comes out with, I blame Les. I haven't been anywhere, he replied. But Elisha asked him, Don't you realise that I was there in spirit when Naaman stepped down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to receive money and clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and cattle and male and female servants? Because you have done this, you and your descendants will suffer. For Naaman's leprosy forever. When Gehazi left the room, he was covered with leprosy. His skin was white as snow. Now when I read that, of course, I was picking who would I like to be in this story? Well, I kept coming back to him. Because believe it or not, it has happened to me once or twice where I haven't given the correct answer or a full answer. No doubt I'm the only one. But in that story, I would really like to be two people the little servant girl, brave enough to say, I love the Lord. And I would also like to be Naaman, because he had leprosy. And basically we can look at that and say, well, he was healed of that. God's grace saved him. And from that point on, he would turn to God. And that's what we need to do. We need to be Naaman, healed of anything that we've done wrong. And God is the one that does that. And also, how simple is it to be a Christian? What does it take? I'll ask you first, Viv, but I'll give you time to think about it. What does it take to be a Christian? Do we have to study hard? Do we have to know everything in here, Brett? No. I'll help you. Just a bit. How much, how much of a bit? From Matthew. From Matthew. Alright. Okay. What about you, young Les? How much of this do we need to know? Do we need to be a scholar? No. Not that it's bad to be a scholar. And that's fine. But how much do we need to know, Viv? All of it. All right. Trust someone to throw that one in. (laughs) But are we saved by all of it? Saved by Jesus. Okay. So, you know, I've known people who can recite this. But they didn't know God. So what we need to know is that God saved us. Pretty simple. Because if there was a test, most of us would fail. Let's finish with 1 Corinthians chapter 1. How simple is it? Every now and then when I'm feeling like I really need to get depressed and so on, I watch Q&A. And I beat, my, well, I beat myself up watching that. And so many intelligent people get on there and say, I believe in science. We don't need this fairy tale. Science has every answer to every question. What did you show me the other day? A pessimist has a problem for every solution. And they say, if you can't see it, there is no God. Do you know what science can't tell you is emotion. There is no reason, really, that we have emotions. And nobody can tell me what's in my heart or my head. Only God can tell me that. So science and religion can both work together. Don't have a problem. When science says there is no God, they have absolute faith that there is no God and they spend all their lives proving that there is isn't no a God. I spend all my life living for God because I know that there is a God. Amen. Verse 18, The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who have been saved know it is the very power of God. As the scripture says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Interesting, because I like real estate. In England, they did this land reclaiming. They built a hundred blocks of land out into the ocean. And the day that the auction was to start, they had all the banners and everything else, and they said, this is prime real estate. Beautiful ocean views. So the auctioneer gets up. They were going to go for millions of dollars. He gets up and says, right, who would like to bid for the first block? Someone says, well, I would, but it just got washed away. Big wave came in and took the lot. They blame climate change. I don't think it's climate change. Perhaps it's foolishness. They should have gone and seen the Dutch. They They make good shoes that never wear out. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used only foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's nonsense. But to those who are called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you are wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom himself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. That's my God. That's the man that I love. I'll go back to Viv over here. What made you except Christ? At what point? God's love to me true. Steve, though. I was a young bloke down the youth group and stuff like that. I came from a Christian family. Didn't really think much about it. And then one night youth group, everyone was talking about it and one thing, and I went home and decided to become a Christian. Got in bed and prayed. And that was it. It's pretty simple, though. Yeah, very simple. (laughs) It's very simple. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, he does it for people like us, doesn't he? Yeah. And you, Brett? <laughs> when did you accept Christ and why? Well, well, yeah. Yeah. You. Well, you. Excellent. And your life hasn't been the same since, has it? Les, I'll go to you. Do you think Christ helps you? Is there a scientific reason for knowing that? No. There isn't, is there? But when you say to people, I have Christ in my life, they look at you and say, well, so? But I think when you can be calm, when you can be at peace, when everything around you is falling down, it's critical. Ria, you cannot escape. <laughs> I was 18 and working with some Christian girls, and they invited me to the meeting. That's when I first heard. I heard the gospel that Jesus saves. Mm. And it's powerful, isn't it? That Jesus saves. Very powerful. Jim, can you remember? Can you remember when you came to Christ? Was it many moons ago? No. When you came to Christ? I couldn't say, like, uh, at such and such a date and time. I became a Christian, though it was God's will, knowing that he loved me and he died for me. My daughter uh, was away in camp, with the church, on uh, half past ten one night, four o'clock. I'd been saved for great joy. Yes. But, uh, Oh, uh, Yeah. No. Peter. No. <laughs> Can't go past those glasses. Uh I was brought up in a Christian family and um so it was always installed in. But um having true belief is different than being brought up in a Christian family, so I um, I was probably a little bit like Jim where I didn't came gradually for me, and, and, you know, my background and I had a lot of doing um, debt in my, my uh, jobs, and, and, uh, and, and I met a lot, of, a lot of people that had a lot of belief and, uh, and I think that's what it's doing, Is the, the strength of, of their belief and also I find that uh, just having belief in, in the Lord God uh, gives me uh, healthy make decisions. I, I don't have to make decisions. Mm-hmm. Yep. Phil? Well, I think it was, uh, I don't know, if we went to Sunday school with mum, and then we went to church with a week of him, um, and sort of just went by the bye. Uh, I think probably around 92 or something, I don't know, probably earlier, maybe 86 or something like that, we had some Christians in, in the street with him, and they said be happy and have, have a good life. So seeing Christians have a good time and they're prepared to speak to you. She's from Taiwan. She's um um person friendly, and one day she invited me to the hers. It's uh a in there uh like the Chinese and Cantonese Mandarin, Tagalog, and uh, that time is no bus. I take my kid and catch a bus to there that they say about this story, they say, that's amazing, i first put up here, like that. And uh, when I came home, I put the food, they say, that's amazing, i never mean, ever seen this like that. And when they that I'm not talking about self-power, what is it? Oh, well, we know, sir, I yep. <laughs> Yeah, that is another story. Here um, it's um, um, We came um, going to visit church in, uh, close to my house. They yeah, are uh, a toy. They left the mail. They don't understand, what do they say? And I come home, I told them, my friend, my friend's say we can a car, because it's has been me to then I try again in the and again, and um taught me to you know what is your in the uh, huh? and we we'll taught that Bible, how do you English? And I understand more than a lot. All right, that fantastic. Thank you for that. So you're very persistent. Phil had no chance. <laughs> but, I mean, that's what God does, and that's what His Word does. Um, and it's all you know, Old Testament sort of killing people and everything else New Testament totally different it's about love it's about people, you know, like yourselves who just open their hearts how about you Corey, how are you going? Yeah, I know that today, this thing in the thing you said actually, like I was saying, uh, I think for me I've probably lived a life of fallacy and um, I can see that this is probably where i need to be. I need to learn, um, So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have much chance actually, to be honest with you, but you're doing well. I'm just knew, you know, I, I have not know as much experience as a lot people here, but I know I need to be here. <laughs> yeah, this always something to make me come here, like everything we have a to to be problem. Mm-hmm. Probably a few times, but I said, Well, I thought, you can't help it. No, I'm coming. I need to be here. And I need to be involved with the family. So, yeah, I'll put it in time. it make more sense to you. each week. Yep. Well, it's made enough sense for you to accept Christ. yep So, I guess that's That's a pretty good starting point. <laughs> So, and that's, and that's great. So we've all had different backgrounds, but at the end of the day, we love Christ. We've allowed him into our hearts. And isn't it great to be a Christian? Amen. So going back to the story and then we'll finish. We've got to be like people who accept Christ into their lives. Naaman was one, the young girl and Elisha changed people's lives. The young girl was the one who talked about Christ and changed someone's life. Naaman was the one who followed it up and he didn't allow his pride to get in the way because he could have easily gone back and said, I'm not going to go those seven ducks in the water. Don't think your water's good enough for me. And he wouldn't have known God. Let's know God and let's tell others about God because that's what we need. That's what people need in their lives. I mean, I wear this shirt and sometimes I think, I hope nobody can read (laughs) because they'll say, what are you going to talk about? I'll say, well, what do you want to talk about? And as long as it's not home handymanning or four-wheel driving or fishing, I should be fine. But it does narrow it down a lot with men. So that's the challenge for me this week is to to get out there like this servant girl and tell others. And, you know, it always blows my mind when people say, oh, no, God doesn't give me a chance to talk to others. And I'm thinking, where do you live? On a deserted island or something? You know, there are chances. There are opportunities. We really just have to take them. Where did Anna Marie go? Whoa! Woo! wanted to share what happened.